This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, as always, Olivia, how are you? It's wonderful to see you. How has your week been? What have you been up to, friend? <laughs> you are so pumped. Chipper. Um, you know, I'm on my week on. So, you know, I don't I lay pretty low when I'm when I'm working. So nothing too exciting happening here. Just a lot of hospital time. What about you? How are you? And I'm, you're like, how's the week been? I feel like my week's been like ongoing for like two weeks. The week never ends. It's just one yeah. long week. That's how it seems. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, especially when you're in the middle of just working real hard, it can feel like you're stuck there. So I, I definitely get it. But my week has been pretty good. We had a birthday party this past weekend at this place called Urban Air, which is a trampoline park. So the kids got to go and jump around and go down these slides and stuff. And I found myself in the arcade playing skee ball. And I don't know if you know this about me, but when I was in high school, I think I may have talked about on the podcast before, but I worked at Chuck E. Cheese and I noticed that one of the skee ball machines was broken. And I was like, what's going on? So I climbed up on it and I found there was three skee ball machines next to each other and all of the balls were in one. So I'm just laying there like unclocking it and the staff just looked at me. I was like, he knows what he's doing. Let him do whatever. Just walk by. But so that was fun. And then we hung out with some friends and Millie got to play and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's been a pretty good, pretty good week, pretty good weekend. And, you know, just getting ready to go back to work, which like you, I'm not super uh, stoked on all the time. But, you know, it's good to have a job. That's what I tell myself. I'm thankful. Yep. Yeah. Thankful we have jobs. Yes. So if you're listening to this podcast, please share it with your friends so that we don't have to go back to work. We don't want to. We just want to do this. Well, with that being said, this week is your week. I got your notes. I was kind of looking over everything and it doesn't look like anything I'm familiar with. So I'm super excited to jump into it. But 
Talk to me a little bit about what we're going to be getting into. I'm super excited to cover it. Yeah, I don't really recall hearing about this case myself. Um, and it was in 2017, which seems like some time when which I was, you know, really into true crime and watching, you know, Dateline and all those things. So I feel like I would have known about this, but then it was also a very weird part of my life. Um, so maybe that's why I missed it. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> what was the weird? But, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll save that one for another day. That's for uh, check the locks after dark. And yes. We'll talk about that on the patron. But with it taking place kind of around a college town and a big college at that, I figured it would have been something that I would have heard about. And I'm surprised that you didn't either, especially because it's in Ohio and you're kind of from Michigan. You are from Michigan and they're kind of neighbors, right? Yeah. Yeah. We don't like each other very much for the most part. Although I will say anybody from Ohio who listens to this show, I love you. You're great. Thank you. You're the only good thing about Ohio. I just Well, we're going to be talking about the Ohio State University. All right. Gotcha. You're not a big sports fan, but if you listen to it, they're always the Ohio State. Yes, it is the Ohio State. And I'm not a big sports fan, but I did grow up 25 minutes from Ann Arbor, University of Michigan. So I'm very aware of the rivalry between the two. And again, you know, if you're in Ohio and listen to the show, just know that we appreciate you very much. <laughs> and John doesn't like sports. No, I don't. I'm not a big sports guy. I do like hockey, but we can save that for later. But I am super excited. You know, I love the stories, especially centered around college towns. We've done quite a few of them. I find them very, very interesting just because of the environment. And, you know, it's always strange when there's, you know, young kids who are taking that first dip into adulthood and there's, no one around them to supervise them for the first time and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to jump into it. What do you say? Should we quit the Gabby Gabby, get with the stabby stabby, jump on into your case? Yeah, I think so. Let's do it. On February 9th, 2017, a park goer at Scioto Grove Metro Park, which is located in Columbus, Ohio, had notified Grove City Police about a possible female body in the park. When police arrived, they were shocked to find a nude young woman bloodied in a field. Meanwhile, on the afternoon of February 8, 2017, Reagan Tokes went to work at the Bodega, a local restaurant in Columbus. She texted her father to tell him she was going to call after work. Now, Reagan was born in March of 1995 to Toby and Lisa McCrary Tokes. Reagan was a brilliant student. After graduating from high school, she attended The Ohio State University. She majored in psychology and was planning to graduate in May of 2017. Reagan worked at Bodega, a local restaurant, while she attended college. She had been preparing for the move after graduation to Cleveland. Later that evening, on February 8th, Toby and Lisa became worried when Reagan did not call after she got off of work. The couple called Reagan's phone repeatedly until about 2 a.m. when the phone battery died. The following morning, February 9th, there was still no communication with Reagan, asking younger sister Mackenzie to notify them if she had heard from her. The Tokes learned that Reagan did not attend her class that morning. They filed a missing persons list not knowing that the police already had a Jane Doe from the day prior. The news and social media were widespread about the disappearance of Reagan Tokes. A bolo was issued for Reagan's car. The Tokes were notified that there was a body fitting the description of Reagan. Police were able to use a necklace and a tattoo to identify her. 
Later, an uncle would visibly identify the body to confirm it was indeed college senior Reagan Tokes. An autopsy report had revealed that she had suffered two gunshot wounds fired at close range. Reagan had been sexually assaulted and DNA samples were sent for testing. Later, a digital reader attached to a trash truck captured the license plate on Reagan's car. It was abandoned in southeast Columbus, which is a part of town that Reagan would not have visited. Her car was sent for inspection. In the trunk was a gas can and the front seat appeared to have some burn marks. This suggested to investigators that whoever stole the car attempted to burn it as to leave no evidence behind. Now outside of the car, several cigarette butts were collected and sent for DNA testing. Reagan's parents confirmed that she would not have had a gas can in her car and also was a non-smoker. DNA quickly came back from the cigarette butts leading investigators to Brian Lee Golsby. Golsby was born in 1988 and he had a trouble pass once police took a look at him. Golsby was raised by an abusive mother with an alcohol addiction. He began committing crimes as a teenager and was in and out of the juvenile detention center. As a teen, he was charged with theft, shoplifting, trespassing, and even threatened his mother with a knife. The Ohio Department of Youth Services reported that Golsby was also accused of raping a five-year-old girl and a six-year-old boy. He was allegedly a member of the Crips gang from an early age. Now his rap sheet only gets worse. In 2010, Goldsby attacked and abducted a woman who was pregnant and her two-year-old son. He held them both at knife point and forced her to drive to an ATM to withdraw money. He orally raped her twice in front of her child. He was eventually caught, but the victim refused to testify in fear of her and her child's life. Brian Goldsby pled down to robbery and attempted rape. He was sentenced to six years for robbery and six years for attempted murder. Now, these sentences ran concurrently, and he was released from prison five and a half years later in November of 2016. Now, while incarcerated, he was still a troublemaker. He had 52 infractions, including possession of contraband, refusing to obey, stealing, and multiple fights. He was transferred to several different facilities throughout his five and a half years in prison. On his release in November of 2016, he was required to register as a sex offender and a GPS tracking device was placed on his person. Now that police had a potential suspect and a dangerous one at that, Brian Goldsby was arrested on February 11th. However, due to his violent background, SWAT officers were tasked with completing the arrest. During his questioning, Goldsby confessed to abducting Reagan Tokes and forced her to the ATM. He said she drove them to the park where he forced her to undress and left her alone, stealing her car. He initially denied any sexual assault or having a gun. Goldsby started to tell police that he had an accomplice named TJ, who threatened his family if he did not give him all the money from the ATM. That's when he said TJ sexually assaulted Reagan at gunpoint. Goldsby told police, I wanted to just run and call the cops for real. I could have but at the same time, I didn't want to put my babies in jeopardy. Detectives knew that Goldsby was lying about TJ as it was part of their plan to get him to confess. During the investigation, it turns out that the GPS tracking device was not actively monitoring his whereabouts. When he was released from prison, he was placed in a temporary housing center. He was not closely monitored there, and his only rule was to be in the facility between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. His parole officer was not keeping close tabs on him after his release either. He violated his parole repeatedly. 
He committed six robberies from January to February 7th. Goldsby robbed several women at knife point for money and on another occasion forced a man to an ATM at gunpoint. Goldsby also let his battery die on the GPS tracker and would not return to the temporary housing center at night. There were no ramifications for his violations. He was scheduled for a hearing on February 23, 2017, which could have likely sent him back to prison. While Goldsby was in jail for the kidnapping and robbery of Reagan, he confessed to killing her at gunpoint. Now, detectives were getting the real story and able to check the GPS data from the night of February 8, 2017. Brian Goldsby was tracked walking around Ohio State University campus before catching a public bus that took him downtown. He was noted to be walking around Bodega where Reagan worked for about an hour. At around 9.45 p.m., that's when surveillance footage shows Reagan walking to her car from work. The footage did not show the abduction, but that is when she ran into Brian Goldsby, who forced her at gunpoint. Goldsby told her to drive to the ATM, and she was seen on the ATM camera around 10.02 p.m. at Chase Bank. They were then tracked to another bank around 10.14 p.m., and at 10.18, they were seen entering an alleyway where they were reportedly there for about 12 minutes. Sadly, this is likely when Reagan was sexually assaulted. Reagan and Goldsby drove back to the Chase Bank, forcing her to withdraw more money. They stopped at two gas stations, one at 11.12 p.m. and another at 11.41 p.m. After is when she drove them out to Scioto Grove Park. Goldsby forced her to take off her clothes, walked to the middle of the field, and shot her execution style, once in the head and the other to the side of her face. During his interrogation, Goldsby admitted that Reagan begged for her life. He told detectives that she said, quote, all I want to do is live. Goldsby took her car and picked up his girlfriend, where the pair went to a local McDonald's around 1.45 a.m. He reportedly gave his girlfriend Reagan's purse and wallet as a gift. He said he dumped the gun and the shell casings in a sewer and failed to set her car on fire. DNA evidence returned from the rape kit obtained from Reagan's body confirmed Goldsby's DNA. The trial started in early March of 2018. The prosecution was able to show the jury the exact steps Reagan took on that terrible night in 2017. Witnesses were able to identify Reagan's belongings that were in Goldsby's girlfriend's possession. The prosecution also showed his interrogation video. Now, the final piece of evidence against Goldsby was the DNA that proved he sexually assaulted Reagan. The defense argued that Goldsby was not intelligent enough to plan her murder, but instead killed her in panic. The jury came back with a guilty verdict, but they could not agree on the penalty. Four voted for life in prison, and eight voted for the death penalty. The judge ultimately sentenced Brian Goldsby to life in prison. During his sentencing, the judge explained his ruling, saying, Reagan did nothing wrong whatsoever, and yet she forfeited her life because of your background. You get spared because of your background, and yet she forfeited her life. He later pled guilty to the six robberies he committed while out on parole. He is currently being held at the Ohio State Penitentiary. Now, after her death, the Tokes family created the Reagan Tokes Memorial Foundation. The foundation is to award students with scholarships, teach self-defense, and promote legislation aimed at reducing crime. Sadly, Reagan was murdered a few months before her college graduation. 
She was awarded a posthumous degree in psychology from The Ohio State University. Reagan Tokes's family continues to work with lawmakers perfecting the Reagan Tokes Act, which was first introduced to Ohio's House and Senate in 2018. This act helped to create a minimum and maximum term for serious felons. It has been voted on and addended for several years, but ultimately will help others not to be failed by the system. Had Brian Goldsby been held accountable for his petty crimes and closely monitored after his release, maybe Reagan Tokes would have walked across the stage and earned her own diploma. That's this week's episode, John. What you thinking? So this case, it was just so sad. I know normally our listeners are, you know, depending on how you feel about me, I usually like chime in and ask questions and stuff like that. But I just couldn't do it with this episode because everything that you hit in this case was just sadder. I was really just sitting here with my mouth open, listening to you walk through what was going on. And just to think that Goldsby had committed so many crimes and was not properly held accountable. And like his parole officer knew he was out there doing what he was doing. And this guy's just walking the street. Like he's dangerous, you know, and these are the kind of things that, you know, really scare me sometimes. It's just Mm -hmm. being in the wrong place and you meet, the wrong person and they don't care about your life. You know what I mean? So, and then I just feel so bad for this family. Just, you know, they lost a daughter and then you have to learn that you lost a daughter because people didn't hold this guy accountable the way that they should have. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, uh, it was really, really rough to, to listen to. So I don't know. It's, it's, it was hard. Yeah, these are the ones that I don't like either. These are the ones that I feel like I can relate to. You know, she's just leaving her job, trying to go home, minding her business, told her parents she would text or call whenever she got done. And then they become worried, you know, and need to report her, but also like, hey, you know, she's in college. She's a little independent. Like, we can't just think that if she doesn't call us back that something's immediately wrong. So I don't blame them there. But it's just scary knowing that somebody can just be walking like right past you and you meet, that's the end, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I always recommend like share your location services like with somebody. So somebody knows where you are. It doesn't have to be like your parents or. Oh, everybody has my mom, dad, stepdad, sister. Yeah. Me and and Kara share ours, you know, just in case anything were to ever happen, like we can locate the other person. But It's just, you know, somebody's got to know where you're at. And especially nowadays where like you have that ability to do that, like why not take advantage of it? You know, like when I go walking, hey, John, taking a new route. Yeah, for sure. You're going to be the one person that knows. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for putting that on me. I was the only person. It's all John's fault if the boxcar gets me. But, you know, like there's a, uh, a pretty big case in Michigan right now, this young lady that, you know, I have friends who were friends with her, her name's Danielle Stizlicki. She went missing walking out of work and they have not found her body. They've arrested the person that, you know, they're pretty sure is, is responsible for it. But you know, her parents don't know if they're ever going to find their child's body, you know? And so I don't know. I just can't imagine being a parent or like, you know, this can happen to someone leaving their work. It could be your spouse. It could be your friend. It could be your kid. You know, it's just running into that person who is like, I do not care whether you live or die. Just want something from you. And it's scary because those people are out there, you know? Yeah. And I will say 
I am so moved by what her parents did after. Because again, I know I've talked about this a lot, but I would be in the bottom of a bottle, at least for a little bit. I don't think I'd be writing legislation. I don't think I'd be setting up a foundation, at least not for a little bit. So the fact that they're able to channel this tragedy that happened to them and help other people, I think is amazing. And, and, you know, I think we need more people like them in the world. So mm-hmm. I agree, but I also don't think you'd be down at the bottom of a bottle. I don't think Carol would let you do that. Yeah. So fun fact about me, yeah, when I get so depressed, therapist. <laughs> yeah, when I get depressed, I drink. And luckily I haven't been that level of depressed in a really long time since before I met my wife. But when I'm in dark places, that's usually how I like to, you know, comfort myself. And I would like to think that maybe now I'm like grown up enough that that wouldn't be my coping mechanism. But I can imagine if it was something just that catastrophically terrible and heartbreaking it might be hard for me not to fall into that old pattern, you know? And I think, you know, for people who go through something like that, rightfully so, I would like to think I wouldn't stay there, but I can bet that I would probably have a good section of my grieving where, you know, that's where I was. So, you know, and hopefully, you know, it's nothing I ever have to worry about. Nothing you ever have to worry about. Nothing. Any of our listeners have to go through anything like that, but it's just sad to think about, you know? Oh, it's devastating to think about. But I do think you have better coping skills as an adult now. It's been a long time. Yeah. I was a sad young man back in my day. <laughs> and I think that just comes with growing up too, you know. But anyways, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, this if we're talking deadbolt test, what are you thinking here? Oh, man, this is a 10 for me all day for all the reasons I just mentioned. Yeah, me is, too. You know, she's just, hey, I'm coming out of work, getting in my car, like my shift's over, got class in the morning. I'm looking forward to graduating. And, you know, you meet one crazy person and you're so many people's worlds are rocked and flipped upside down. Yours is ended and yeah, it's the pebble in the lake, right? It's like there's that initial spot where it hits, but those ripples just go and go and go and go, you know, friends, family, people who care about her, you know, it's just, it's just sad and devastating. Yeah. Well, that is where we fall in the dead bull test for this week's case. Olivia and I are both putting it at a 10, but as always, we want to hear from the locksmiths. What do our listeners think? Where does the murder of Reagan Tokes fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at check the locks pod. Find us on Twitter at check the locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, come hang out with us. We'd love to get to know you, spend some time with you, learn a little bit about you. Olivia, this case, again, super sad. I definitely think we could use a little bit of a pick me up, maybe end on a positive note here. You got a five-star review for us. I would love to read something happy. What do you got? I do. This week's five-star review comes from E. Burke, and they said, having listened to every episode since the podcast aired, I owe Check the Locks podcast five stars. Obviously, this show and the host keep me coming back to push play. Olivia and John are simply the best true crime podcast host. Both hosts are dedicated to finding new and interesting cases every week. Each episode begins with easy banter without too much Gabby Gabby and ends with a unique question that engages the listeners. Keep up all your hard work. 
That is a good five-star review, E. Burke. So yeah, let us know who you are so we can give you some cool Check the Locks podcast swag. Yeah, E. Burke, thank you so much for taking the time and leaving that review. And so happy that like our banter and stuff like that is something that you're into. Because I can tell you, there's a lot of people who don't dig it. So we understand this show is for a very specific audience. And we are glad that you are part of that. So Thank you so much for taking us the time to leave that review. Just like Olivia said, we'd love to get you some stuff out. We got stickers, buttons, all sorts of stuff we can get sent out to you. Do us a favor. Just hit us up on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. Or if you're in our Facebook group, reach out to us there. Let us know. We'd be happy to get some stuff out to you. And Olivia, if somebody wants to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what is the best way to do that? They need to go to the Apple Podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll down where you see all five stars, click all five and leave us a little bit of love and tell us what you think about the podcast. And maybe we will read yours in the coming weeks. That's right. Olivia says it best, so I don't have to. Apple Podcasts, click all five stars. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. We talk about it every week, but these reviews, they help us out so much. They get us into other shows' recommendations. They help new listeners to find the show and really just help us to grow our community. And that's the only thing that we're looking to do, right? We just want to bring more people in to this little true crime community that we've got to watch grow and just interact with everybody. It's it's absolutely awesome to be a part of it. And we just want to bring more folks in. So if you've left us a review, just know we appreciate it so much. And if you haven't, Use the cheat code. Go into the description of the episode you're listening to now. Click the link. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. And Olivia, as much as I love those five-star reviews, you know there's something else that we love to hear. Guess what I got for you? A voicemail. I got a voicemail. What? Hey, John. Hey, Olivia. It's been a while. I know that I haven't heard a lot of voicemails on the recent podcast you released, so I thought I'd say hey. Um, This is Megan from Kansas. I just listened to the wrestler episode and I do have a wild theory. It could be the head trauma for sure, but I feel like it might be related to maybe a life insurance policy because if they just got married at that point, so late in life, and it's like you're kind of close to death anyways at that age, I feel like it could possibly be a motive that he had. And then also I wanted to comment on the whole like Valentine's Day birthday thing because funny enough, my boyfriend's birthday is on Valentine's Day. So I just celebrated us his birthday. We don't really celebrate Valentine's Day, but I hope you guys are both on the men's. It sounds like you've been a little bit sick lately. So have I. Stuff has been going around, but I hope you all have a great week and I can't wait for the next episode. Peace, my niece. That was such an amazing voicemail, Megan, from Kansas. So thank you so much for reaching out to us. And yeah, I mean, there are so many things that I thought about the same life, not necessarily a life insurance policy, but with the wrestling case, you know, I felt kind of like, why would you just kill somebody at the end when you're at the end of life? You know, I mean, they don't expect to live more than 10, 20 years. Like they were old. They were in their 70s. Yeah, Megan. 
Thank you so much for leaving us that voicemail. It's great to hear from you again. For those who might be listening, uh, Megan is the one who came up with that super creative night before Christmas serial killer themed uh, version of the poem. She put it in the Facebook group. Megan is awesome. So thank you for leaving the, the voicemail. We really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, that is one thing I was kind of surprised that we didn't talk about. I didn't think about it until we got Megan's voicemail, but I was like, yeah, insurance policy, like definitely makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, because of the profession and stuff like that, we were leaning more towards like, maybe, you know, cause like you said, it just seems weird that you would do it that late in life, but it didn't even cross my mind. So love that you shared your theory would love to hear more of that because that would be absolutely awesome. And Megan, just thank you so much for, for dialing in and letting us know what you think and for listening to the show. And we really do hope you are feeling better as well. Now I know we had the, uh, the funkadelic for quite some time. Quite some time. Feels good to start getting out of it. So hopefully you are on the up and up as well. So if you would like to leave us a voicemail, we'd love to hear your voice. We love playing them. Go to check the Click the little voicemail icon. You can leave us a message, send it on in. We'd love to play it on the show. Hear what you think, hear what you sound like. Just get your input, your theories, things like that. So again, check the Click that little microphone button. Leave us a voicemail. And as always, if you want to support the show, if you like it, you want to help us keep the lights on, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. We got a lot of great tiers, a lot of exclusive benefits, stickers, coffee mugs, t-shirts, all things you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes ad-free. So if you love Check the Locks, but you hate those darn commercials, Patreon is the way to go. So again, if you like what we do, you want to throw us a couple bones, that's patreon.com forward slash Check the Locks and get signed up today. And as always, if you can't financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and sharing what we do with your friends and family, the people who are important to you, means just as much, if not more. So again, if that's what you're doing, you're hanging out with us every week, you're sending links, telling people to listen, just know we appreciate that more than we could ever tell you. Just like we talked about with the reviews, our goal is to bring as many people into this community, this little family as we can. So when you share this show with your friends, that helps us do that in ways that we can't put into words. So again, if that's what you're doing, just know that we appreciate you so much and we are so happy to have you as part of our family. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case, but until then, don't forget to Check the Locks. See you next week. Bye. Bye.